I wanted to continue our conversation, our study of Pekavot, like last week. And uh, we were talking about moderation. So you know how people use the words, everything should be done with moderation. No extremes. Is that always true? That's a word that people throw out there, but does it really always apply? Is everything meant to be in moderation? That was the discussion last week. And I used the Mishnah Pekavot to prove it. For instance, being a good dad. That's me, so I talk about myself. But being a good dad, should I be a okay, mediocre dad? Or should I be the best dad possible, right? An amazing dad. What do you think? The best dad. The best dad, right? Should you be a good spouse? Mediocre spouse? Or the best spouse possible? The best. So when do we say this rule... That too many extremes are not good, are not healthy for us. Is it right? Diet, too much diet is unhealthy, good. But what's the general rule of it? You know, when it comes to dealing with having a balanced life, what areas should be balanced and what areas, how would we define it? I can give you a list of things, but what would be the general rule to define for me? How I can know for sure that I am not being extreme and I am being extreme in the right places. For instance, like being a good husband or being a good dad. This is a very important rule. This is a very important concept. Like we need to know when to be extreme and when not to. Someone once said to me, and it was last week, someone said to me, uh, you know, Rabbi, when it comes to Judaism, it's not always good to be too extreme. Hinting to me, about whatever it was that I do, which is a bit extreme, like mitzvot, you know, Judaism. Maybe we shouldn't be, you know, Shabbat, okay, I'll be mediocre, Shabbat. Stop being so orthodox, you know. Maybe we shouldn't be so extreme with our Judaism. Maybe we should make sure that we're in the middle path with my Judaism. Nah, Shabbat a bit, so much. Right, the mitzvah of Judaism when it comes to prayer, so much, man, a little bit. What, you're so extreme? Maybe he's right. Now, obviously, I don't think so. But how do I know? When is the rule of being in the, mid- in the middle, when does it apply? So we said, what are the rules? Last week, what was it? We said, Rebbe. He said, What's the right path a person should create for himself? He says anything that's good for himself and his surroundings. What's good for you and it's good for your surroundings. If it's only good for you, we said you're being extreme. For instance, keeping all your money to yourself. You're being extreme. You're not sharing. That's extreme. Too much. Only giving out all your money to others. You're being extreme. What's the right path? Exactly the right amount that you're meant to give. Between 10% and 20%. Any more, you're destroying whatever you have. Eventually, you're going to go downhill. Any less is you're being too stingy and then you're not living a life of meaning and giving. Okay? So we said that if one of the rules to prove that I'm being mediocre, I'm not being extreme, and that's the place that I should be in the middle, that is in regards to... Being good to myself and my surroundings. Make sense? All this makes sense? Okay. So that's what we said last week. And I want to read with you the Rambam, Maimonides. I've mentioned this in the past and I've studied this with you in the past. 
But just to refresh our understanding of this, it's phenomenal. I want to read for you the Maimonides here. He says like this, The straight path is to be in the middle. Why? And he says, this is another explanation that's very important. In every single day, in every single personality, and by the way, he calls a personality the mind. You know, in Hebrew, there's three parts to the brain. Chokhmah, Bina, and Da'at. We spoke a bit about this last week. But there's three parts to the brain. The part on the right side of your brain is the male energy, what we call in Kabbalah. And it's the energy of ideas. Lots of ideas. None of them come to fruition. Only a few. But you know how our mind thinks all the time? That's Chokhmah. That's on the right side of the brain. Bina is on the left side of the brain. And that is the analytical part of the brain. The ideas are... Whoa, let me, I don't know, eat some dessert. The left side of our brain says, okay, which type of dessert? Maybe should I have ice cream? Okay, when I make that conclusion in my brain, that's called that. Okay, so there's the back of my brain, which is that, which now connects me, where I actually am firm with what I know. I'm firm that this is what I want, and I go and do it. Okay, so there's three parts. There's a process in your mind, and it's three parts. First, you have the idea. Then you think about the idea. You say, okay, should I do it? Should I? Nah, it's too much work. It's too tiring. And then when you actually come to the conclusion, either yes or no, you stick to it. That's called that. So there's the three parts of your brain that are constantly functioning. Chokhmah, Bina, and that. Maimonides says when it comes to personalities, that's called that, the part of the brain that concludes. What does that mean? It's very simple. Most things we can overcome if we really firmly conclude that we want them. Like it says, The path that you really want to go on, that path will happen if it's something that you really want. You know, it's, not, it's like the diet. I do want the diet. I don't. Yeah, but it's not that bad. If I look a bit overweight, if I don't, I'm talking to myself. Uh, it's not that bad if I think, whatever. Okay, fine. I'll have another tequila. Another tequila, uh, taco, right? Another taco, sorry. I was thinking about tequila. I want another one of those too. But anyway, another taco, another this, another that, and my stomach is, you know, growing a little bit until I'm like, yo, dude, this is bad, right? And then my mindset is, I gotta cut this out. When I feel like I've gotta cut this out, that's when I stick to it. And no matter what, I overcome my temptations. Right? That's why Maimonides calls our personalities deot. Deot means it's firm in my mind that I don't want to do it or I do want to do it. It's the part of the brain that confirms whether I want to do something or not. Because a lot of what we do, granted there is genetics, and there are the aspects of how I'm born and my nature, but how much of that nature is also nurture? Right? How much of my nature is also to do with me actually transforming myself? A lot. And that's what my monodies is coming to tell me. How to fix, how to be the nurture to my nature. How to change my genetics. Even though in some ways I am on a path that was brought up that way. I was made this way. My genes tell me I'm going to go this way. But I can change it. And that's the study of my monodies. What's his study? The middle path. So he says like this. In every single mindset... 
of things that you should be doing, every personality, there is a middle path. And he gives me examples. And the middle path is the right way that a person should be on. What is it? It's equally distant from the two extremes. Like we said, there's one extreme. He gives examples. Exactly in between. For instance, the example that he gives is, and I'm going to continue reading it more, but I'll give you the example just quickly. Humility is the middle path. What's the extreme of humility? Good. You both said right. Feeling worthless is one extreme. Feeling absolutely what we call in Hebrew, low in spirit. You wear rags. You don't look after your body. Nothing. You don't dress right. You feel just like, oh, my life's worthless. That's one way. That's not humility, by the way. And then the other extreme is where you are arrogant. Where you completely think you own the world. You run the world. What's the middle path? Humility. The middle path is a mixture of both. And that's called the way of God. It means that you're going like God. Because God encompasses all. is infinite. And what that means is that if you're in the middle path, you're, you're, you've got both sides of the energies in you. Make sense? Being too stingy was the example. Or being too kind is an example. Saying yes, yes, yes to everyone. Is that good for you? No. Your friends tell you, hey, yo, dude, let's go to this and this place. So what do you say? Yes, you don't have to say no. There's a weakness in somebody who doesn't always know how to say no. If you realize that this person's not for you, don't put them in the thought that they are for you and continue with that relationship. There's a strength in saying no when you know that you need it, not in a cruel way. But there's a strength in saying no. It's called Quran. and it's beautiful. It's, it needs to be done kindly. It needs to be done in the right way. But you have to say no at points. Right? So being too kind, not good. Because then you won't know how to say no. Being too strict and saying no all the time is also not good. What's the right path, the middle path? So that's what we're talking about here in terms of personalities. And he says whatever personality you think of, there are extremes on both sides of them. Okay? Can anyone here think of a personality, let's say? Let's think of something. Anyone think of a characteristic that people have? Funny. Funny. Angry. Angry. Being funny, let's say. Too funny. We call it hilarious. Right? And being somebody who's too sad, obviously, is too extreme. Now, some people might tell me, no, it's some... It's good to be sad. Some people might tell me it's good to be uh, funny and hilarious all the time. But the truth is, is that how you want people to see you? And you walk in the room, ah, <laughs> right? They think you're funny just by seeing you. Yeah. By the way, you know, you know they say that there is this thing in psychology, maybe Kevin can help me with this, but uh, they, there is some kind of statement which is how people have a bias towards you based on the way that you give yourself off. So that from then on, meaning the, right, they say first impression is very important because the next time they're going to think of you as that impression that you gave them the first time and that's it. They're not going to be able to get out. It's very hard for them to get out of that impression. You know the guy who always makes jokes? 
right? So he walks in the room, and just by him talking, you think he's making a joke, even if he's being serious, like, you know, my grandpa died. <laughs> you know, it's like, hello, dude. You can't know if he's being serious or not, right? You get what I'm saying. So being too funny can be very dangerous. It says, Shlomo Melech said in Kohelet, there's a time for everything. There's a time to cry. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to be serious. There's a time to dance. You can't walk into a funeral home, right? And start making jokes unless they ask you to. And then even then it might be a bit awkward. But you, you get what I'm saying. There's a time for everything. So being able to be balanced is perfect. What's that? Happy. Not sad. Not hilarious. But happy. Right bang in the middle. Make sense? Okay, being angry. Now he says like this. Maimonides actually says. Our rabbis say, I'll just read it out. I'm trying to translate so my English might get boring, but whatever. Our rabbis, my English is never boring because I speak with a British accent. <laughs> and until that breaks, it's, I'm losing it. Someone told me I'm losing it and then I'm done. I'm done. No one's going to come here anymore. Anyway, our rabbis uh, said, a person should always think about what he's saying or being and try to direct himself to be in the middle path so that he should be complete. By the way, to being, being in the middle is to be complete. Because like I said, when you're in the middle, you have both sides. All the energies that are in the world are in you. Sadness is, exists because there's a reason for it. Happiness exists because a, when you have both in you, you know how to balance and you know, use all the energies that are in this world in the right way. That's called godliness. Okay. And that means you're complete. Oh, so someone said anger, like he says like this. How, how should someone be? A person should never be angry. Someone shouldn't be an angry person, easily angered, and not like a dead person that doesn't feel anything at all. So what's the opposite of anger? Indifferent. Indifferent. Exactly, that's what he says. It's interesting. You would have thought the opposite of anger is something else, but he says the opposite of anger is no feelings at all, completely indifferent, like a dead person. You talk to them, you make a joke with them, sad thing to them. Nothing talks to them. Just indifferent. It's an issue that we're dealing with, I think, today a lot. Right? Because we're so in our own world. Right? Apathy is a, is a real issue. I feel like that's something that happens a lot. It's like someone dies. You know, Nowadays it's like, oh, RIP. Yeah, you'll be lucky if you get an RIP as a response. Oh, that's nice. Okay, I guess it's better than nothing, you know. Sometimes people won't even make a call. But you know, a, a RIP response versus a phone call, which takes a bit more effort, is probably a lot nicer. Right? Makes sense? You get what I'm saying? So that's what I mean. That we're so into our own world, we've become somewhat apathetic to our surroundings. It's not done on purpose, but that's how things have developed. So he says, what is it? Too, too angry? Not good. Not good. No feelings at all, not good. So what should a person do? And he says like this, a person should only be angry on something that's very important to be angry. Wait a second. Isn't that what every person that's angry says? I had to be angry. But he says like this, in order that somebody shouldn't do it again, and he says in a way that is only on the outside but not on the inside. 
So, for instance, a child does something that's really inappropriate. To be apathetic will be wrong. To show your concerns is the right way to do it. And sometimes you have to show that it really bothers you. Right? But inside, Shalem Begufo, I'm happy. I love my child no matter what happens. I'm not angry in a way that I'm going to beat them and hurt them because that's already getting to out of the boundaries of normal. Right? That's already getting into anger, real anger. So he says, actually, when it comes to anger, actually, he says, that's something you have to really distance yourself and only have a tiny little bit, only in situations when you feel that you need to show it. And Same in work. If somebody owns a company and you want to show that this, you shouldn't be angry, but show a sense of discipline to the system. Otherwise, everyone's just going to take advantage. Oh, pay me more. Uh, give me some more hours. Uh, give me, why shouldn't you pay? There's got to be some control. You know, it's, anyway. So, you know, we've been building this house and when it comes to construction, we've seen how it really works in that area in terms of construction because it's a free-for-all. There's no like system, there's no, you know, you've got someone that works for you. He could just say, okay, I'll charge you this amount of money. And then suddenly he says, no, 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 it was more work. 9,000, 10,000. Hello? You know, there's no, there's no clear-cut uh, costs. It's not like buying a laptop, let's say. So you know if the store's a rip-off or not, you know? But when it comes to certain things in life, so that's what I'm saying. When it comes to life, you've got to know that some areas you have to be very strong with what you believe in so that there is a balance. But never show that on the, show it on the outside, but never show it, no, never have it in you. That's something which is very important. And he says like this, a person should only desire things that is good for the body. When it comes to health, diet, only things that are good for your body and you can't live without them. Like it says, a righteous person eats to satiate his soul, not his body only, but satiate his soul, meaning so he can function, but not to eat so that he can eat, so he can eat more. Okay, a person shouldn't be always working, constant work, only things that you need for the moment. You don't need to save. We've spoken about this already a few weeks ago. You don't need to work so that you should make money uh, so that you have a house that, for your future kids. So you have enough money to pay for your future kids so that then you'll get married. No, it doesn't work like that. In Jewish thinking, you have to have a path, a direction. And that is already enough to make the move and commitment for your life. But no one says that you have to have a whole world ahead of you of plans, now I need a job, I need a, you need a job, somewhat. You need the direction of your job and to see that you can make somewhat of a money and income. But that's it, you're capable. The other side is capable. That's it, Mazal Tov. There shouldn't be too much thought, into, that's what he's saying, right? Too much work, now I need to work for the next 20 years to make this amount of income so that I can pay for my kids one day to have their own home. I think that is, that is extreme. That is part of extreme. Okay, whatever you need. Like it says, a righteous person is happy with a little. Someone shouldn't be too stingy, but not also too um, generous. But giving tzedakah exactly as he can. Well calculated and lending also money, which is well calculated for people that need it, which is a big mitzvah. We said, don't be too, la too hilarious, not too sad. 
but just happy all your time with a pleasant face on you all the time and the same with everything else. Okay, so when it comes to personalities, middle path is the right path and it's pretty clear. And this we've taken from Rebbe in the second chapter of Pirkei Avot, which we're studying, who says, what is the right path of a person? Something that's good for you and good for your surroundings too. Right? Someone who's, uh, you might say to me, okay, someone who eats a lot, why is that bad for his surroundings? Well, it might be. You know why? Because it tells something about the way you feel about yourself. And that translates into the way you communicate. It translates into your confidence. It translates into your relationship. So someone who's in a good mindset is also different in the way they communicate with others. And that's why it's also important to be healthy, but not too extreme. So here's the big question that someone asked me. What about Judaism? Maybe I should, you know, Shabbat, okay, Friday night I'll do, but you know, Shabbat day and the whole thing, phones and all, why should I work towards that? What's my response? Huh? Eitan, what's, what's the response? The, the Torah says so. <laughs> <laughs> Being within the boundaries. Listen, listen hard and good. Being within the boundaries of the Torah is being balanced. That is what the Torah wants you to do. It wants you to enjoy this world and the next world. By the way, Judaism doesn't want you to suffer in this world. It wants you to enjoy this world and the next. That is the point of being balanced. What's Shabbat? Living a balanced life. Six days I work. It doesn't say one day work, one day rest, one day work, one day rest. Then it's going to get you know too much. Six days work, one day rest. It's, it's about making the perfect balance. Someone without, who moves away from, he says a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of that. Then in some ways they are unbalanced. The whole point of Judaism is to make yourself balanced. That is the point. You look at the world. You go where Israel is, it's right in the middle of the, well, the globe is round. But if you look at the map, right, the way we look at it, Israel is, let's say, in the middle. To further left you go, right, the west, what happens? The more physically inclined it is. More in tune with the physical and distant from the spiritual. Is that good? Of course not. 70 years we're in this world, eat, buy, have, look at the world, look at, the, look at where we are right now. People who have everything, all the stuff that they need. Amazon's ordered whenever they want it. People that are famous that we all dream of being like, I mean, not me, but some people dream of being like, and you look at their life and you say, okay, wait, what do they have? And a lot of them are depressed. A lot of them are unhappy. So, because when I'm only for myself, not good, it's not balanced. And if I look at the other side of the world, what happens there? A world where they completely distance themselves from the physical and you have only a connection to the spiritual. Distance from the sense of marriage. There are different groups within Christianity that distance themselves from being married. That's not Judaism. Sexuality is a very important part of Judaism. And same with every aspect of physical. Eating is a big part of Judaism. Right? But within its balance, there's something called Shmirat Anayim, where we guard our eyes and we protect ourselves from what we look at, to not instigate my feelings for things. All these aspects are the sense of balance. It's not that we distance ourselves so that we shouldn't have 
an enjoyable world. It's so that we should actually enjoy this world to its fullest, that I'm in control of my inner self. And that our relationships actually happen in its best manner possible. It's simple. You look at every single thing that we have in Judaism, it's there to make us have a balance. If somebody looks at it as an extreme, well, maybe it's because they are extreme. Six days of working and one day of rest is extreme. One day of rest. Maybe it's extreme to say seven days of working, seven days of being in my car, seven days of sitting in traffic because you're in LA, and seven days of... I mean, that is extreme. So when somebody asks me, okay, maybe some Judaism, some not, because being too much Judaism, Rabbi, you say you shouldn't be extreme. The answer is that in itself is what we define. The whole point of Judaism is what we define mediocre, middle path. That is the goal so that you could be more godlike. That is the goal. Okay, so that is... Just going back on what Rebbe said. And Rebbe said, what's the right path a person should go on? Something that's glorious. It's harmonious for those that do it, for you. And it's good for those that are around you. Middle path. And then he says something very interesting. He says, the next statement that Rebbe would say is, run to do a light mitzvah as much as you would to do a stringent and important mitzvah. There's many things in this life that we run for and we don't know they're good, but we don't know how good they are. How can you define, right, uh, giving charity to someone or smiling to someone? In the worlds above, we don't know the impact of the good that we do on different people. Everyone reacts to things that we do differently. And we don't know the impact of things that happens to people in different ways. We, we don't see it. One time somebody, somebody sees me after about three years of not seeing him. Didn't see him for three years. He's like, I'm, I'm in a store somewhere. Is that you? Is that you? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm me. Uh, and he's like, Rabbi Jack. I did not remember this guy. That's not a good sign. It's just, I have bad memory, but whatever. I didn't remember this guy. But he was going on and on and on. And later on, at some point, he came for one Shabbat. We never saw him since. I was like, you know, one Shabbat. No. <laughs> if you call all the Shabbats together and you put them as one, maybe 1,000. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but one Shabbat had a huge impact on someone that I didn't know. Someone wrote us a letter after they left college that we didn't even know about. She, about how we changed her life. We helped her go on a trip. And from there, the trip led to other things that she got involved with the Jewish community. And she's getting engaged to this Jewish guy that she met on this trip. And she's actually married now. You know, what did we do for her? We don't realize the impact of good. So that's why Rebbe says, his second statement was, run to do good. Part of the concept of moderation, run to do good because you never know how good your good is going to be. Run to do mitzvot because you don't know. The Torah never gives us the rewards of the mitzvot. If you look at the Torah itself, there's a mitzvah to put on tefillin. There's, a mitzvah, there's many mitzvot that we have. Put a mezuzah on the door. There's many things that we do in Judaism. Some of them make sense 
And some of them, you're like, oh, okay. That makes somewhat sense. What does Judaism say? Run to do both because you never know the impact spiritually of each one of these. And it's good that we don't know the impact. Why not? Why don't we know? Why doesn't the Torah say, mezuzah, oh, I know exactly what mezuzah is for. It's going to do this, 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 and this for you. It's going to change your life in this world and you're going to have 100,000 angels sitting around you. Right. I'm just... It's a very physical way of thinking of things, right? But you'll, you'll tremend- transform your life into different... It doesn't say anything. just talks about mezuzah. should be on your door. Say Shema in the morning and in the night. It doesn't say why. Very rarely does it tell me any of the good, or the reasons for the good that we do in this world. Why? And our rabbis give a beautiful example. It says a beautiful idea. Imagine... A king has in his uh, palace a new, he wants to build a new orchard with hundreds of trees. And he doesn't want one type of fruit, he wants many types of fruits, and he wants good stuff. So he makes an announcement and he says, Whoever builds, whoever makes for me the best fruits, each person gets a chance to build, to plant for me a tree. He calls all the farmers of his country. Everyone's got a chance to build, I keep saying building, plant for me a tree. And whoever plants for me a tree that produces the best fruit will receive a tremendous gift. Everyone who plants for me will receive a gift. The one who plants the best one, oh, something unique. So all these different farmers say, oh, wow, this is amazing. They all start coming. They run to the king's palace. This guy says, I know how to plant the most beautiful uh, uh, pears. The other one says, I know how to, this beautiful apple tree, orange tree. And they all start planting their trees. And guess what happens? After a year or two, the people that planted the orange trees, out of all the trees, those that planted the orange trees, they won and he gave them a tremendous gift. So they all come to the king and they say, Hey, king, I also know how to plant orange trees. Why don't you tell us? that you liked orange trees. So he said, well, if I would have told you to plant for me the the fruits that I like the most, and I would have told you all to plant the fruits that, then I'll just have an orchard of orange trees. I'll only have orange trees in my field. And I wanted all types of fruits. I didn't want just one type. The same is with spirituality. When it comes to doing good, God doesn't say, why the good, what the reward of the good that we do in this world is for. Why? Because that way we would run to all types. You know, we have in in Judaism, how many commandments? 613. 365 of them represent the negative commandments, things you're not meant to do. Okay? 248 represent the positive commandments. They also represent the different limbs in my body. Every part of my body has an energy that's connected to the mitzvot. There used to be a big Kabbalist, the Arizal, who in his time, when somebody was uh, injured or hurt in some way or was sick in a certain part of his body, he would say, this is the mitzvah you should work on and it would heal you. He would actually specifically tell them because he had the ability 
to know and connect all the mitzvot to the different parts of Every mitzvah connects to a different part of you. You can't just refine yourself in one area. Right? The goal of life is to refine ourselves in all aspects of our life, not just in one area of life. It's a very important concept. We shouldn't be good only at one thing. We should be as good, you know, there should be one thing that you're very good at, but in general, we've got to work in all aspects of life. And that's what we learn from here. So that's, that's what he says next. He says, run to a light mitzvah like you would a stringent mitzvah. And then he says something fascinating. He says, think of the loss of a mitzvah, the pain, the effort of the mitzvah. You do good. Think of the effort by thinking of the reward. Not at the effort at the time that you do it. Now here's the great question, and I've mentioned this already before. Anyone who's listened to the concept of the five levels of pleasure taught by Rav Noach Weinberg. How do you know when you do good that it's really good for you? There are many things in life that we could do. There are many things that we could do that make us happy. How do I know the things I do are really going to make me happy? And some things are not really good. I'm about to face a situation. I'm going to do something. How do I know it's going to make me happy or not? Huh? Some things we think is going to make me happy. And the next day, I don't feel so good. Some things I think it's going to make me happy. And it makes me feel really good. I think it's not going to make me happy. It makes me feel really good. Like going to a hospital and helping someone that's sick. Uh, why would I do that? But actually being there can give you a tremendous feeling of joy and energy. You lift someone else, you lift yourself, it says. There's someone I know who works at Suicide Watch. He answers calls for people that want to commit suicide. He says, Rabbi, it makes, I feel amazing. Very interesting. You're helping others in terms of suicide? And he says, he feels good. Why? Not on the expense of them, but when you lift up others, you lift up yourself. So how do I know if I'm doing something good, it makes me happy? There are many things that we can do in this world. There are many things that we can enjoy. There's love. The five levels of pleasure. There's physical things that we could do. We can go on a trip right now. There's many things that we can do to enjoy. How do I know it's going to really give... Which one's the right thing to do? I have a choice. Maybe I should go see my parents. I should go on a trip to another country and have fun there. Maybe it's vacation time. Maybe I should just go somewhere local. What's, whenever I'm faced with a question, how do I know which is the right one and which is the wrong one to do? Do you want to know? How I will feel about it afterwards. Not how I will feel about it af- at the time. Look at it like horsepower. How much energy will it give me? If I eat a good meal, it will give me some energy. If I eat unhealthy food, it will feel good at the time. But how will it make me feel later on? Not so good. When I celebrate New Year's, called Rosh Hashanah, not January 1st. When I celebrate the New Year's, it's a serious time for me. It's prayers. There's a lot of food and it's also fun, right? Of course. But it's serious time. How do I feel afterwards? Huh? I feel good. I spent a lot of energy in it. More effort. But I feel really good after. 
if I was in a party that I'm just counting down the minutes and then I drink a, whole, a few bottles of Arak, I better not because I, for now I really like Arak, right? But if I did, let's say I drank a few bottles of Arak, how would I feel the next day? Not so good. The question is how much energy does it give me afterwards? There's some things that I do that take a lot of effort and pain at the time of doing it, but it gives me tremendous horsepower after. The more energy after, the better it is for me. That's how you measure joy. You measure happiness by how it gives you the reward afterwards. And that's what he's saying here. Never look at a mitzvah and say, oh, so much effort right now. Don't think of the pain and the effort. Think of the reward after. Think of how it's going to make you feel afterwards. And then he says, when you do something wrong, right, what does he say? He says, thinking of the joy right now. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Right? I'm about to do something wrong. This is going to make me feel great. But then think of the reward now. But look against it. You've got also the losses. What's that? The months of regret afterwards. Not worth it. Right? So when you do good, think of the good that it makes you feel right now. Not how it... I want to tell you one last thing. And then we'll finish off. There's a story of a rabbi. The Radvaz was a great rabbi. And he had, a, he had someone that he knew who was sent to prison for no reason at all. Absolutely no reason at all. Terrible those days. We're talking about probably about a thousand years ago. And someone of his community was sent to prison on a false claim, anti-Semitic claim, sent to a terrible prison for no reason at all. And he sent a question to the rabbi. The question was, they let me free for one day from the prison this year. Which day should I go? Should it be Yom Kippur? No. Should it be? <laughs> Resounding no. Should it be Rosh Hashanah? No. Should it be? Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah. Okay, there we go. We've got one answer. You'll be shocked at the answer. You want to know what the answer was? Shabbat? All the holidays, but he's only got one day. He'll celebrate them all on that one day. <laughs> the rabbi said, as soon as possible. As quickly as possible. Why? Because the minute that you can get out, that's what we said. Run to a small mitzvah as much as you would a big mitzvah. Every day, the, the first moment you have as an opportunity, take it. Don't wait. Take that opportunity right now to do good. You have a minute to do it, do it now. Don't wait. Because you don't know when it can come and you don't know if it's going to happen. Do it now. That's what we said as well here. We said, Run to a light mitzvah like you would a stranger. When it comes to doing good, you don't know the value of the good that you do. So run to anything that you have available to you. Because the, the minute that you have it available, do it. It's going to be powerful for you. Right? It says that the righteous ones, they are quick and they jump 
to do mitzvot as quickly as possible. Because they always say, I want another one, another one, right now. I have a chance to give charity. I have a chance to do something. Now, not wait. Like we said, if not now, then when? We said that, yes. Anyway, I'll finish off so that next week we can continue from another thing. He says, finally, you should know that there's three things. Know these three things and you'll never come to sin. Always have these three things in your mind and you'll always do good. What are they? Know what's above you. An eye that sees, an ear that listens, and everything is being recorded. How true is that today? Our rabbis say, the Chafetz Chaim was once asked, why is it that you know, the telephone has come out? All this technology suddenly has come out. He said, it's for our generation. Can you imagine 200, 300 years ago talking to someone and giving them the idea that you're accountable for your actions? They'll say, "How do? what do you mean? No one's watching. What do you mean I'm accountable for my actions? Who's watching me? Today, you just walk in the street. There's a camera that takes a picture of you in every home. You say something, it's recorded of you. The minute you come slightly famous, they'll publicize it on Twitter and TikTok or whatever else platform they have. Right? There's no way out. Everything is being recorded and everything is being seen. The Chafetz Chaim, back then, he, in the beginning of the 20th century, a great, great rabbi, he said, he said, as soon as the phone came out, he said, it makes me realize that there's an Ozen Shomat. He realized the, these statements that we have here. That if someone realizes that nothing in life that we do here in this world is just a coincidence and every action that we do is actually, has, it, it's, it holds me accountable. It's being recorded. We think a lot more before we do what we do. So that's the statement of Rebbe, kind of heavy, but important, and makes us balanced, and knowing that our life is short, and we need to make the most out of every day and every moment that we have. And um, I guess for now, we'll call it a night. Are there any questions? Does anyone have anything they want to ask? Kevin for sure has something to ask. Make it a little bit uh, exciting. Kevin, go for it. I'll put you on the spot. I do have a question, but I'll let others ask first. No, they never have questions. I've asked whoever you... <laughs> so until you came back, I've been asking everyone, hey, anyone questions? They all walk off. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. But go on, Kevin. What do you do when you're in a position where the decision you make is either good for you or good for your surroundings, but it can't be good for both. For example, if you are in, if, you know, you work for your family, and it's a really terrible work environment, and your dad is abusive, and your siblings are running amok, and you hate the job. You do a good job there, you bring money to the company. If you leave, it's good for you, but bad for them. Why do you think it's bad for them? Well, because they, so that they, wouldn't it be good for them to stop abusing? In a way, it's also good for them to stop their behavior. Why, why should I allow them to continue with their, you know, mistreatment of me? That's also a problem. They are going to be accountable for that action too. So by me leaving, I'm actually enhancing. Why should I allow, I am actually allowing them to continue that. There are ways that are inappropriate, let's say. 
That's also wrong. So by looking after myself and cutting out that connection in terms of work and in other ways, I'll do it in a nice way, right? Maintain the connection with them, but just, I know that this is not a working environment that I can be in and it's not good for them to put me in this environment either. So, but they think it's bad for them if you leave. Right, but they are extreme and you know, they could think whatever they want. You know, people do think things. If I would think about everything that people will say about me and how they look at me, then I wouldn't do anything. You know, I wouldn't be looking so Jewish if I would think so much. You know? So there's a lot of balance is when I'm doing the right thing. I also know that I'm doing things within balance for them too by you know, cutting that connection out. That in itself is a balance. So I think that's the correct response. It's obviously, like you've made me realize now by your question, that it's very subjective. You know, it's, it really needs to be assessed every situation. Like as you're asking that, it makes me realize even more. It's not just like, oh, it's good for you, it's good for others. There are situations where it's very on the fence and you really don't know and it's, it's challenging. Yeah, so it needs, it needs a lot of thoughts sometimes. But we have now a general rule and that should direct us. Moderation is not in terms of being good. Moderation is in terms of um, my personalities and my behavior. That's, that needs moderation. Yeah. Anyway, anything else? Anyone else? Any other questions? You good? Nothing? Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for coming. <laughs>